good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a Pen and Napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to Headlines, Volume 5, with Casey Hall, my good friend from Millard West High School. And the other night, we discussed the Eastern Conference Finals and our gave our Eastern Conference preview. Uh, great first game of the of the Eastern Conference Finals. Instant reaction, thirty second reaction from that one, Case. Uh, holy cow! Yeah, I mean it was just I mean a lot of ups and downs, but um, well played game, well coached game. Uh, can't complain about the way either 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 team played. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, Adebayo's block was unbelievable. Like, I don't know how he didn't break something. And it was just, that, that was one of the best plays I've ever seen around the rim. Oh, yeah, by far. I mean, if going through Twitter last night, seeing everything, I mean, some people say it was the best defensive play ever. I don't know if I can say that. Uh... It's, 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 one of the, it's one of the better defensive plays I've seen. I, I recall I recall a block by LeBron James in an NBA Finals Game Seven with his entire legacy on the line with about a minute left in the in a game in a Game Seven of all games. Yeah. So I, I would still rank that one ahead of that one. Yeah. So I mean, this was Game One. It would be different if it was a game deciding game or a Game Seven or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so we talked the, you know, for the folks that have already listened, you've already listened to the to the Eastern Conference preview. Now we're going to jump into the Western Conference preview. I think we probably, we both said the other night that we thought Los Angeles would win uh, Game 7. And my goodness gracious, were we both really, really wrong. I'm glad neither one of us had any money on the game. <laughs> well, we we could have bet Crable's mortgage on it. And if we lose uh, it, you know. We might be able to do that. Yeah, we might be able to do that, but uh, uh, I was—I have never—I um, I have very rarely. I can think of a couple of occasions. Um, I remember when South Sioux City finally lost in the state tournament to Beatrice in the semifinals. This was a long time ago, right at the end of their six titles in a row run. Uh, a, a team, um, you know, just a a team that just didn't have it in a in a game and and the other team just got that momentum going and I'm talking about really good teams that could not stop the other team's momentum um and and I don't want to call my shot too much but I did say the other night that if if Los Angeles gets down 5 6 7 points in the fourth quarter I think they're going to tighten up I I think they're going to struggle I think they're going to feel the pressure of the moment and I put it out on Twitter, you know, their shots are going short. That's a that's a huge sign of shoot not shooting relaxed. Um, that you're that you're not getting the same flow and the same lift in your shot there. And and Denver just jumped all over them. And and to, to see a, a favorite go down, not 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 necessarily go down, but go down in the way that they did, uh, really really shocking. Uh, I mean, I think I think they felt a little bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of weird to say with Kawhi, who's won two MV, Finals MVPs. Um, Paul but, George has been a big-time player for years. And some of the older players they had coming off the bench are third, fourth place, third, fourth guys coming up that 
it's kind of shocking to see the way they shot, the way they played, and the way they, I mean, I don't know if they gave up, but by the fourth quarter, they kind of were just going through the motions. Very poor body language. You know, yes. the, you know, that last 10 minutes of the game, they were just like, we're, we're, we have been thoroughly beaten down and we just have nothing left. And, um, you, you have to, I think the criticism of Los Angeles is fair. I also think, and I'm sure we'll get into this here over the next half hour or so, uh, you have to give credit where credit is due. Denver made plays, Denver made shots. Jokic was phew, so good. Um, and you know, Jamal Murray scores 40 points in a game seven and not a whole lot of people are really talking about him because they're talking about how dominant Jokic was, uh, or Jokic, excuse me, throughout the game. Um, so you also have to give a lot of credit for Denver, um, hitting shots in big situations. Um, their role players hitting what, what I always call loud shots where it's just like, you know, Paul Millsap had hit a couple threes in back-to-back possessions that they went up three, like up three or four to up ten, and and those are loud shots in my where it's just like, man, that's kind of a backbreaker. You expect Jamal Murray to do stuff, and you expect Jokic to do stuff, but when the role guys start hitting shots that they don't normally hit or haven't been hitting, that that's a that's a big dagger in the heart. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. They had guys stepping up left and right. Their bench played a great role in the second half to kind of break that up, open a little bit. Uh, I mean, Murray's played like this since game one of the playoffs when mm-hmm. he and when he and Donovan Mitchell went head to head. And the Joker, the Joker. I mean, ever since he's lost that weight, it just seems like he's gotten even better than he was. He is so good. He is so good right now, and and he just does everything. He does. I, I have a comparison. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Uh, I made a compare, and I will, uh, it'll come up here. Uh, but I, I see a correlation here uh, where Denver has a route to do some unexpected stuff here. I guess so. Um, let's jump into it. Let's jump into it just All like right. we did the other night. So we'll go through the starters. Um, one through five, um, and then we'll go into the benches. We'll go to the coaching lineups. We'll go into or the coaching matchup. Excuse me, uh, any X factors that we have, and then we'll pick a winner here. Um, I think you started the other night, so yep. I'm going to go ahead and start here tonight. Uh, we're going to go with the point guards, um, and LeBron is officially listed on ESPN.com as their starting point guard. So I got Le- uh, LeBron and Jamal Murray. Um, you know. I, I, you can't not pick LeBron uh, in this matchup, uh, but Jamal and I and I don't think those guys are going to see very much of each other throughout the series. I don't think either one is going to be guarding each other very much. LeBron probably maybe more guarding Murray. I don't think Murray will really be guarding LeBron. Um, you know, LeBron is 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 doing LeBron things. Um, I said it in our playoff preview. Um, I, I worry at some point that his body, you know, just a roll day, you know, they can't lose him. Um, and, and that's one of the X factors is, uh, he can't even sit out a game or two with a, with a, with a pretty bad rolled ankle or something like that. Um, but if he's out on the floor, uh, he's the, he's the best player on the floor and he has the edge on Murray. Uh, but like I said, I don't know how much these guys are going to see each other throughout the series either. 
Yeah, I mean, I hate I hate that they're listed that way on the depth charts. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, any other matchup, when you're comparing point guard against point guard, most of the time we're. In, I mean, the way it is right now, everyone would take Jamal Murray over whoever the other point guard is. Mm-hmm. And even if they had Rondo starting or whoever, I mean, I would take Jamal Murray just the way he's played. I mean. From the start of the bubble till now, I mean, he's been outstanding, and he's carried. I mean, he's literally carried this team on his back for the most part. Mm-hmm. When the Joker was shut down, it kind of against Utah because Gobert was guarding him. But I mean, what he's done is unbelievable. I mean, from where he was coming out of Kentucky, where some people thought it was kind of a little too early. Yep. And how much he's grown just as a player is. Unreal. Yeah. But, I mean, LeBron, I mean, like you said, it's tough to tough to just say, sorry, Jamal, but it's LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you're right, Case. I, I, I think we're both in agreement. Uh, it is LeBron, but begrudgingly LeBron, because we know Murray is is one of the top four players in the entire thing. It's just these two guys happen to be matched up at the same position. Um, you know, I, th- I, I, I think... Like I said, I think LeBron will take some some reps against Murray on defense, um, and LeBron is you know, but LeBron still has the luxury. You know, we'll probably get into playoff Rondo when we get into the benches, uh, where LeBron will will slide over now. And, and with the way Rondo's playing, uh, LeBron's still going to have the ball in his hands a lot, but with the with Rondo coming back. He's been able to play off the ball a little bit more, which has even made it that much more difficult to guard him as well. Well, and I think I think for Murray, I think the tough thing overall is, is who does he defend? Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll go through the rest of the starters here coming up, but who does he defend, and where do they? Who guards LeBron? Kind of for the Nuggets too. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on here. Uh, I got uh, KCP. And Gary Harris at the two guards. So we go from a marquee matchup to KCP and Gary Harris. Who you got? Um, this one is just, it's a coin flip because I don't know how many minutes KCP is going to play. And Harris is coming back from an injury. Yeah, pretty interchangeable uh, um, for the Lakers. Yeah, there. yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to say just Gary Harris just off of what he did during the regular season before the bubble started. Mm-hmm. Uh, double digit score was probably their best defender. Yeah. Um, usually guards the other team's best guard, which I don't know if he can guard LeBron, if that's who they match him up on. But uh, for his six years he's been in the league, I mean, he's gotten better every year. He's a good three point shooter. Uh, does the dirty work kind of for yep. that team as a guard play a little bit and KCP is kind of just I don't know he doesn't get as minutes as he does because they've got the bench with Caruso and Kuzma and Rondo that probably take his minutes more Yep. Uh, so I think I'm going Harris just because I think you're going to see more from Harris and you are KCP as the series starts and gets to the end I I agree with you there. Um, I agree with everything that you said. 
Um, Denver's been much better with Harris back in the starting lineup. Like you said, he he is their best perimeter defender. And there's something reassuring. One of the one of the first things I, I do with with my teams is who is going to be our lockdown defender? Who who's gonna guard the best one through three on the other team uh every night out? And we just go, okay, hey, this every night the 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 first thing you look at is who's their best perimeter player? Okay, who are we gonna put on her? And can it be the same kid every night where we don't have to think about that too much? And um that is um that is what Gary Harris can do. I, I think he can play LeBron for a trip or two. I, I don't, I, you know, he can't play him for, you know, a quarter straight or anything like that. Not that anybody can, uh, but they've been, they've been much better with Harris in the lineup. Uh, he's shot it just well enough to, to hit, you know, just enough shots when he's left open because they're rotating on other guys. Uh, you know, Jokic hit him for a couple of big threes last, last night. And, um, so I would give the nod to Harris as well. So, all right, let's continue to move forward here. Uh, small forward spot. We got Danny Green and Jeremy Grant. I have Jeremy Grant. Um, I, I think, uh, he's played really well. Uh, he's given him 33 minutes a game. He's given him, uh, 10 points, really good defense. I think he's probably going to end up uh, getting a lot of reps against LeBron on the defensive end. Um, he is he has uh, been active. He's a good off-ball and on-ball defender. Uh, he fills a nice role for them, and I, I think he's uh, he he's played. He's been an underrated addition, kind of one of those under the radar, uh, at the margins additions to a club that has made them better than they were last year because of his length, because of his athleticism. Um, and, and I, and he's, he's got a, a toughness about him. I, I've always liked him as a player and I think he fits in really well with this team. So I'm, I'm giving him the edge on Danny green, Danny green. Uh, he just hasn't, you know, he hasn't screwed up, but he needs to hit shots to be really, really effective. Um, and, and he just hasn't done that in volume yet here in, in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on this one. Um, I've liked, I've liked what I've seen out of Grant through the bubble this whole time in the playoff, into the playoffs. Uh, he brings that he's long, lanky, he can defend, but then he's also, I mean, he can step out and knock down jumpers. Mm-hmm. His outside game has improved tremendously over the last two years from where it was when he came out of uh, Syracuse, Mm -hmm. uh, where he was mainly just a post-up guy that shot maybe 15, 16 foot, 15, 18 foot jump shots. Mm but he's improved his outside shot, and I, I, I agree. I think I think the matchup we're going to see is I think you'll see him on LeBron most of the time. Yep. Uh, and he, I mean, it won't be. I think I think you're going to see a lot of people on him. I think there's going to be a lot of rotations um, mm-hmm. guarding LeBron, but I think Jeremy Grant mainly guards him and kind of has that role in his hands. Yep. Yep. All right, uh, we're we're three for three here in agreement. So, um, and I think we're going to be five for five here in the starting lineup. So, uh, Anthony Davis, Paul Millsap, who you got? 
take uh, AD. Yeah. I mean, he's just, he's just, I mean, he's one of the top three players in the NBA. I mean, he might even be number two right behind LeBron just with Kevin Durant out right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's his game is outstanding. He spreads the floor. He can post up. When he wants the ball, he's going to take it, and he's going to find a way to score. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if LeBron's not shooting, and with LeBron handling the ball a little more, I mean, they look for each other the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Millsap. He's kind of their junkyard dog. Um, he's the old man on the floor that kind of shows that leadership and keeps the Nuggets going, but, I mean, he's just not... And I don't know how much... He may, he may not guard Davis much. It kind of all depends on what the Lakers do with Jokic and who they start the center spot, mm-hmm. who they start the point guard spot. I think we could see a whole bunch of different matchups, but if it's those two going head-to-head, I just see, I just, I mean, AD is who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and it's going to be a real chess match. You know, we'll get into the coaching matchup, uh, you know, later on, but... I, I, I see, you know, Millsap is probably going to get um, some run at LeBron. I think Torrey Gra- Craig's going to get some run at LeBron. I could see them when Jeremy Grant and Millsap are on the on the floor. Uh, Millsap taking LeBron for possession and Jeremy Grant taking AD for a possession or something like that uh, just to make LeBron, okay, you know, he's, he, he may look to take Grant into the post area and he may take look to take Millsap off the bounce and, and take him outside to the perimeter. Uh, Millsap is a crafty veteran, uh, really, really smart player. Of course, his, his best years were in Atlanta with, with Budenholzer and that crew that they had with Corver and, and Al Horford and all of those guys. Um, he's, you know, he's on the backside of his career, um, but he's, he's a professional basketball player uh, that's going to play his role uh, he's not going to make a whole lot of mistakes, uh, and that's the reason why um, Malone, I think, trusts him more than he trusts Michael Porter. Uh, for all the positives and the highlight reel plays that Porter gives, sometimes he also makes a lot of dumb, dumb decisions on both ends of the floor, and especially on the defensive end of the floor. And you know, Millsap is just another guy that is just going to play off of Jokic and Murray and know where he's supposed to be at. And, and sometimes, you know how it is case, you get into the postseason. it's sometimes you just need guys that aren't going to screw up uh, and it's a fine balance that you have to find, that you have to go as a coach. And that's where the, the art of coaching comes into it rather than the science of it. Uh, but, but Millsap got, I believe they said he had 32 minutes last night and he only had six points, but he played 32 minutes because he knew his job. He knew his role. He performed it well, and and that's why he kind of gets the nod a lot of the time. So, but oh, but that's, and that's and that comes down to, I mean, you hear it more and where we're coaching in high school and stuff like that, where you look at your bench when you come to a situation and you're like, okay, who do I trust? You're looking, okay, do I trust yes. this person or this yes. person? Yes, trust. It comes down to that, and I mean, yep. I know NBA is a little different a lot different than high school basketball that we're coaching, but still, I mean, it comes down to who do you trust and who can you put in the floor to do what you want them want, want to happen. Yep. Yep. I, the, you hit the nail on the head there. And, and, but at the same time, you know, AD is going to get his, um, now if, if they, if they can find a way to hold, and I, and I'm using air quotes here to hold AD to, 
23, 24, 25 a game, and they can contain him to that number instead of letting him go off for 30 to 35 like he was getting in the Houston series, um, that that's a win for Denver in, in my eyes. Um, but Davis is so good. He can score from so many different ways. Uh, a real key stat with him, how many times is he going to get to the free throw line? Is he going to be aggressive going to the rim and getting those, those cheap points from the free throw line? Cause he shoots 85, 90% from the free throw line. And if, if Denver can keep him, you know, I think that's the key. I think you, you give up the jump shots, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to probably get a lob or two a game. Just don't let him get to the free throw line 10, 12, 14 times a game. If you're Denver and you give up everything else. Yeah, I mean, if he gets to the line, it's it's ball game. I mean, if he's going to score, I don't know, half his points from the line, it's going to be a long, long series. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be a short series, but it'll be, well, yeah. <laughs> it'll, but it'll be a it'll be a long one. So, um, okay. So, you ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Um, last spot here, the center position. JaVel McGee and uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, God, I tossed and turned on this one. Uh, you know, uh, really did a deep dive. Yeah, it's it's Jokic. Um, I think I'm going to go with him. Will his play bring about a little bit of a revival of the traditional five-man? I, I think it could. I mean, what he's done... Is I mean he's still he's and the thing is is he's got that he's got that European mold where he still can handle the ball he can step out but I mean he's he's very good from the elbow to the block mm-hmm. extremely crafty sees the floor well and, and uses uses multiple fakes to be able to get shots off which you don't see anymore mm-hmm. yeah I mean yeah as as both people from Iowa, I mean, we both see it a little bit of Luca Garza and what we see in yeah, yeah, that's Joker. yeah, that's a that's a poor man's comparison there. You know, just I mean, the it's, it's, it's a poor man's comparison, but yeah. but uh, but I, th- I think you could see. I think it could help the five man game come back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, and and the thing is, is he's going to be doing this for another 10 or 12 years because he's not relying on athleticism or anything like that. It's just, and he's only going to get better at reading the floor and, and reading the passing lanes and, and, and knowing where to be at positionally and that type of stuff. He's just going to get better at that type of stuff. And, and he, 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 that was one of the most dominant games and I know we talked about it a little earlier, but it was just one of the most dominant games that you've seen a guy play. Um, you know, I heard, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast earlier today. He could have pushed, I, forget, I think he ended up with like 13 or 14 assists last night. He could have had 17, 18, 19 assists if guys, if there, there was a couple foul calls and a couple guys had a couple, missed a couple wide open shots. I mean, now you're talking, you know, 16 points, 22 rebounds, and 18 assists. And, and I mean, that's just, that's video game numbers that he's doing. Um, you know, I think McGee, the one thing that McGee does is he's got a little more spring. 
He's got a little more length that he can bother Jokic a little bit more. Howard, of course, has kind of got the, you know, they, they've got 18 fouls to throw at him. And if you've got Markeith, if you want to count Markeith, Morris is playing a little bit of a five, you know, you can, you know, maybe 24. Um, so they have a little bit more depth to throw at him. Whereas the Clippers, you know, they had Zubac and they couldn't play Harrell. And obviously he was going through some personal issues and things like that. Uh, but I think the Lakers can throw a little bit more. They can put a little bit more resistance to him around the basket, at least, uh, than what the Clippers did. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they'll do more than what the Clippers did. I'll kind of compare it. I mean, neither McGee or Howard or even close to Gobert, but they've got the size enough inside that might hurt, that might make the Joker struggle just a little bit. Because mm-hmm. um, for a little bit in the Utah series, he didn't look the same just because of Gobert's length and height that he mm-hmm. covered. He covered a lot of space. Yep. So I can see I can see that be the only issue. But, I mean, I don't see any reason why he's not going to average 20, 10, and 5, I'm just going to say, yeah. in the series. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well... But they definitely have the edge there, you know. And I have one of the X factors dealing with Jokic that I had listed. Uh, so, but I'll hold off on that as well. So, and I think we're both in agreement. We're probably going to see a lot of Anthony Davis at the five, as yeah. well. Yeah. So, all right, uh, benches. Um, we've got uh, the LA bench. We got Howard, Kuzma, Caruso, Markeith, Morris, and Rondo. Uh, Denver's bench has has been pretty much eight and a half guys. Monte Morris. Uh, Porter Jr., Plumley, and Tory Craig. Uh, I think it's your turn. Who, who who's bench you got? L.A. or Denver? Yeah, it's just as, this is bad because I don't. I mean, either bench really jumps out at you like, okay, I can count on this guy. I can count on that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go, and I've I've gone through this multiple times today, looking through stuff. I'm gonna go. And Nuggets bench. Okay. Uh, I like I like what if Michael Porter doesn't open his mouth and address <laughs> the Yeah. I really I like what he's doing, and like you said though, he's a, he's a big time liability on defense. Yeah, that's the only problem. But he can fill it up. Uh, he can score when needed. He'd probably be. He'd be. I mean, on most teams or on like on a team that's maybe not as good, he might be a starter that averages 15 to 20 a game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but he's just behind there. I, I really like Monte Morris coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have to score. He does all the little things. Uh, Torrey Craig has been shooting it well. And then Plumley, I think Plum, Plumley just, I mean, He's their physical guy inside that can rebound. He may get a few lobs here and there. Yep. Um, I think you can, I mean, with the Lakers bench, it's so iffy. Mm-hmm. It all depends on how they start, who they start the game with. I mean, you know Kuzma's going to score. He's going to get his points. Rondo, you never know what you're going to get from him. But it's the playoffs, baby. It is playoffs, and he makes he makes shots in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. How, like you said, Howard's going to get fouls. Morris will score. He may get teed up once or twice. Who knows? Yeah. But I, I 
I think I like the youth out of the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. That's a um, good point. Off the bench. Um, just a little more energy, and I think they hold that grudge a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and their bench is kind of the last two games against the Clippers, their bench is the one that's put them on a run in the second half to get them tied or within a few buckets. Yep, that's true. Um, we differ on this one. This is the first time we differ. I'm going to give L.A. the slight edge. Um, I love all your points about Denver. It was a hard choice for me, too. I went back and forth, back and forth. Um, I, I just think uh, Kuzma is a little bit more consistent with Por- than Porter, and playoff Rondo is playoff Rondo. And and the dude just, there's just, and when I interviewed Kevin Eastman, who was an assistant with the Celtics when they won in 2008, you know, he just said Rondo is just, you know, one of those guys that you hate having on your team, but you kind of love having him on your team. He didn't say that, but he just said, you know, sometimes he can be a difficult guy to coach because he's just so dang smart and he just expects everybody to be as smart as him. And this is one of those times that you take a look at the arc of his career. Playoff Rondo is a real thing. I mean, when when New Orleans swept Portland two or three years ago, Rondo was the starting point guard. He was the best, probably the best player with Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Garnett uh, those last two or three years of the run that they had is in the Celtics. And, and you know, I just think if he continues to play at the level that he's playing at and he understands the game, uh, he's kind of a point guard version of Jokic um, where he just, the game just moves slower for him than it does everybody else because he's so doggone smart. Um, you know, and Caruso just does Caruso things. You know, he'll hit a couple, he'll hit one or two threes and he, that guy is always in the middle of a 50, 50 ball. It seems like he wins every 50, 50 ball that he's involved with. Um, I, I honestly don't know how much Dwight Howard's going to play. I, like I said, I think it's going to be McGee and Davis, uh, against Jokic. I, I, you know, they might use Howard just to throw a couple fouls out at, at Jokic. Um, but, um, I could also see Denver's bench outplaying the Lakers bench as well. Um, but I just think, um, I just think LA just because of those two things with Rondo and Kuzma, uh, you know, I probably take Rondo over Monte Morris, I probably take Kuzma over Porter by a hair right now. Now I think two years from now, I think Porter is going to be better, um, and and I think everybody else just kind of cancels itself out. So that's that's where I'm going to give the edge to. But you know, I think we both, you know, I could very well be right on this one. You very well could be right on this one. But I think that's that's where I'm going on that one. So we'll we'll yeah, see. I think, I think I think of a coin flip. It'll it'll kind of. It'll play itself out. I think you'll learn a lot here after two, ga- games. two games. You'll know how yep. much each coach trusts what bench players they have. Yep. Yep. I agree. Speaking of coaches, um, who you got in the coaching matchup? I think it's my turn to go. Um, yeah. I'm going to take Mike Malone. I think, I mean, the dude obviously can coach. Um, you know, he did a, he's the son of an NBA coach. Uh, he did a good job in Sacramento, as good a job as you can do in Sacramento with kind of the zaniness that was in Sacramento at the time, coaching Boogie Cousins, a uh, young Boogie Cousins. Um, you know, he, he's got this team playing really, really well. Not only, he, he didn't come back from just one three one deficit, he came back from two three one deficits. And, uh, you know, that has a lot to do with players, but it also has to do, especially in this situation, those guys could go one, two Cancun in a heartbeat, being away from home for over two months. 
and he's kept his guys fighting the, the entire time. Um, he he's pushed the right buttons. He's made the right substitutions. Um, I think Vogel has had a really nice resurgence this year. Um, you know, he was the third or fourth choice of the Lakers um, last last summer. Uh, but um, I'm gonna just right now. And you know how it is, Casey. Sometimes you just kind of get into a into a groove as a head coach, and you and you just feel like you're in. A, you know, you talk about players' rhythm. I think coaches can get in rhythm as well, and I think Mike Malone is in a really good rhythm right now. So I, I'm going to give a, a an edge to him. Yeah, I'm going with Malone as well. I just think, I mean, he's got he's got them laid back. They're having fun. Um, they're enjoying what they're doing. It's not like it almost seems like for him and the players, it's not like they're going to work. They're just going out there to play a pickup game at the YMCA or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, when he gets down to business, he knows how to put him in the right spot to come back. I mean, how many coaches come back from, what was it, three of their four wins? They were down by double digits, 20 points. Yeah, yeah, 19, 16, and they were down 12 last night in the first half. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who 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 does? I mean, that doesn't happen every day. Yep. Especially in the NBA, where it's I mean, it's tough to come back from a deficit with as many good players as they're on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like what he's done. I mean, he's he hasn't been there as a head coach, but as assistant with the Cavs, mm-hmm. he was there. I mean, he and with the Warriors, the when he was under Mark Jackson, they made it. I mean, they clinched their helped clinch their first playoff berth and. Almost eight years. Yep. Um, he's got the experience, like you said. Um, I just think that he's they're laid back enough. He's got them in the right mindset that, hey, we don't have any pressure on us. Just go out and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and that's and and I think that's the way they're going to attack this situation as well. Is well, we're not supposed to win, so let's just go out and let's just do our thing and let's let it fly. And if they if they steal a game or two early. Then again, that pressure kind of shifts over to the other bench, and and we'll see, uh, we'll see how Vogel handle Vogel and Jason Kidd and his guys how they all handle that. So, and I think I mean Vogel's Vogel's got a lot more experience in these situations as a head coach. Mm-hmm. That gives him a little bit of an edge, but in the end, is is he coaching or is LeBron coaching? I mean, that's you know that's always <laughs> been a question. Yeah, doesn't matter who LeBron's coach is. Yep. I yeah yeah, I I I could not agree with that more. So, um, X factors. What's your X factor in the series here? Um, I'm gonna go back. I, I think it's I think it's gonna be bench play for both teams. Okay. Um, and then I'll add on to that for the Nuggets. I think it's finding a third a third dude to be able to step up to be consistent score. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, you're going to get a combined, let's just say, I mean, I'm going to go on the low end of, you're going to get 50 from Murray and Jokic. Mm-hmm. You got to find a way to get somebody else or two other dudes to get maybe another 40 out of you. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the big thing. I think the bench is going to be key for both teams, uh, just because you have to rely on them either way. Um, with the Lakers, it's going to be just 
making jump shots is going to be big time key. Mm-hmm. Since they struggle shooting the ball from the outside so much, I mean Danny Green, Caruso, Kuzma, and Morris are going to have to make threes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I could see the Nuggets potentially. I mean, sitting in a two-three zone, just kind of a matchup and forcing it and looking to double down on LeBron or Davis if they catch it in the post. Mm-hmm. But um, for the Lakers, it's their bench, and then consistent outside shooting. And for the Nuggets, it's finding another scorer and um, their bench producing as well. Okay. My X factor is I think the first 36 minutes – of the game will be window dressing for the last 12 minutes of the individual matchup between Jokic and Davis. And I think whichever player wins that individual matchup consistently in the fourth quarter, their team is probably going to win the series. Um, like I, I, I think you know, they're going to throw McGee, they're going to throw Howard, they're, you know, AD will guard him a little bit in the first three quarters, but I, I, I think, um, you know, that last 12 minutes, those two guys are probably going to spend quite a bit of time matched up on one another at, at both ends of the floor, and I could see them sliding Jokic over to uh, somebody else, and he could kind of play that Larry Bird zone, and maybe have, you know, Millsap guard AD or something like that, you know, um, but but whoever consistently plays better in that fourth quarter, I think that's the team that's going to win the series. Um, and and can Jokic continue to create against? I mean, he was able to create against Gobert, but he could draw Gobert away from the basket. Uh, AD can guard him away from the basket. He can guard him around the rim. He can guard him and and everywhere in between. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a tougher matchup for Jokic as the series moves on. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. So, prediction time. Who you got? And how many yeah, games? I, I, I said that, I know I said this yesterday or two days ago, and I said I'd love to see the Nuggets win, but I think the Clippers are going to do it. And we were both um, wrong. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I could... I guess prove me wrong. I'm going to go Lakers. I'm going to go 4-2. Okay. All right. I think, I think the Nuggets find a way to win a couple games. I think they ride their momentum. Um, but playing two seven-game series and coming back to three from depth said I can see some dead legs a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, too... You know, people are going to think that we like work this out beforehand, but we literally don't talk about this stuff before we before we tape these. I've got LA in six as well, um, but I want to throw this I want to throw this out here. Here, as I was watching Denver last night, and I put this out there on Twitter, Denver reminds me a little bit of the Dallas Mavericks in 2011. In that, they got the one superstar. In, in Jokic, like Nowitzki. They got an irrational confidence guy in Jason Terry. Uh, or, you know, Jamal Murray's kind of playing that Jason Terry. He's thinks he's a lot better than what he really is, but Jamal Murray's actually playing that way. Uh, you know, Murray's on pace to have a much better career than, than Terry did, and Terry had a very nice career. Um, and then they just have a bunch of pieces that fit those two main pieces 
very, very well. And, and I love, um, I, I think the optimal number, and I'm going to quote Bill Simmons on this, the optimal number for a basketball team to have is around eight to eight and a half guys. And, and everybody has kind of fallen into place with Gary Harris coming back. Now Monte Morris comes in and he's a spark plug off the bench. They don't have to start Porter anymore. He can kind of do his thing against second units and create and that type of stuff. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, I just, I, I just see a little bit of a correlation between those two teams. I'm not, again, my prediction is LA and six, but I'm not going to fall over stunned if Denver finds a way to pull this off. Oh yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I think, I think, I think I saw your tweet and I think I saw someone else tweet that out as well yesterday. And uh, I mean, I just, it is a big correlation and a lot of the same things. Uh, I would love to, like I said, I'd want, I'd love to see the Denver is do, Denver do it. I think they're a couple years away. Uh, fill in a couple holes, but I just, I think LeBron's LeBron and he's going to find a way to do it. And AD wants to get his, so he's going to find a way to get his. Yeah. LeBron smells it at this point. I mean, I think he really smells it, especially with the, both the Clippers and the Bucks knocked out. And I think he, you know, the one thing, if you take a look at the three remaining teams that the Lakers have to, or potentially have to go through, there's nobody there that can really guard LeBron. Uh, there's no Kawhi. There's no Paul George. Uh, there's no Giannis that can step out on him and, and physically match up with him. You know, Jimmy Butler, maybe a little bit. Uh, but, you know, uh, Bam Adebayo is probably a better physical matchup. But then, then who's going to guard AD if that's going on? Um, you know, so I, I just... Uh, I think LeBron really smells it at this point, and and I think he's he's going to have a hard time being denied. But Denver has, um, they've surprised everybody so far, and so we shouldn't be surprised if they do it again. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of like I was listening to Jalen Rose today, and he goes, when LeBron saw the game end last night, he opened up a bottle of wine and was like, all right, here we go. I'm ready to play because I just lost playing against one of the two best defenders in the NBA and George and Leonard. Now I kind of have a cakewalk. Hopefully he's mm-hmm. open. Yeah, yeah. And, and the Clippers had given the Lakers trouble during the regular season as well. Um, you know, and they had they'd kind of – you know, the, the Clippers, in theory, would have played a lot better in, against the Lakers just because I, I think they just would have had their attention from the opening tap. Uh, but that's why you got to take care of business. You can't look ahead. Um, and that's why Denver's here. Again, the uh, Clippers deserve their lion's share of blame, and they're going to get it over the next weeks and months. But don't forget to give Denver a lot of credit. And, and that Jokic-Murray two-man game and the pieces around them have fallen into place really nicely. And that's, like I said, as I was watching last night, I was like, man, this feels like I've seen this movie before. It was about nine years ago um, with, with that type of team and, and those type of pieces and the way it all fit together. So let's see how it plays out, my friend. I agree. All right. Well, Casey, thanks so much for coming on here. Appreciate it. 
uh, coaches and, and everybody listening, I hope you in, have enjoyed our Western Conference Finals preview here. Uh, we honestly didn't mean to agree that much, but God darn it, just great minds think alike, don't you think, Case? I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, for Casey Hall, this is Marty Plum, host of a pen and napkin podcast. Uh, coaches, let's be sure to stay safe. Let's pray for peace. And let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time. <laughs>